I could always edit it if I wanted to, but no. Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 207. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy days. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's a happy day here. Every day is a happy day here on the One Player Podcast. That's right. Yeah. Woohoo. Especially Fridays. <laughs> That's right. And it is not a Friday when we're recording, and it's not a Friday when the <laughs> show's going live. So why are we happy about Fridays, Julius? <laughs> well, because today we are going to be discussing the classic Freeman Freeze game, Friday. That's right. Yeah. So so if you're listening and it's not a Friday, just pause this and come back in a few days. Now, this it'll, is it'll be better. actually another entry in our Back to the Table series because, for those are longtime listeners, we actually have reviewed Friday before, but we figured we'd go back, give it a re-listen. It's a pretty good classic game, and uh, give it another chat or two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really is a neat game. I remember when it came, I remember rushing to the, the game store. It was right around Christmas time. It was, it was the day after Christmas, as a matter of fact, and I went there and went to the game store right behind the mall and got my game, and then we went to the mall and looked at all the people shopping. Way back when outstanding solo games were a rarity. That's right, yeah. Yeah, no kidding, huh? This is 2012, I think. 11. Late, yeah. It's almost at its decade anniversary. Wow, yeah. Just like the one-player podcast. That's true. We're almost Uh outside a decade anniversary as well, but we are setting (laughs) that aside for the moment. And we are going to talk about Friday. Albert, shall we dig in? Yeah, let's do it. Albert, what is the first thing that we always talk about? The designer? No, where's my little paper? Hang on, I've got it written down. <laughs> Always we give a summary about the game. Yeah. Fr- yeah. Friday is a it's a game about Robinson Crusoe. You're not playing Robinson Crusoe, you're helping Robinson Crusoe. You're Friday, the, uh, the native that he found on the island and named Friday because he found him on a Friday. I knew there was a reason we named the game that. That's right. <laughs> Though... He, you never come out in the cards. All the artwork, everything in the game just shows Robinson Crusoe. So you always think you're Robinson Crusoe, but you aren't. Yeah, it's the weirdest <laughs> type of thing. It is. But it's, it's a probably a good I thing. I anyway. think that was more of an ex- excuse for the designer to continue his naming <laughs> theme, where all of his games start with an F. Yeah, um, that's true. But yeah, sure. Okay, if that's what yeah, it takes. Yeah, except for Power Grid. <laughs> but in German, it's Funkenschlag, and that's our right. enough. <laughs> it is in German, which is how he named it. Right, yeah. They really should rename it. Like friendly I Power or something, I don't know. Friendly Power. <laughs> I, th- I think it'll be okay. But yeah. the basic idea of this game is it's going to be a deck-building game where you are continuing to interact with cards that are hazards that are going to be coming out of a big deck and you're going to have your own deck of fighting cards and you will use those fighting cards to achieve successes against the fighting cards by showing a certain amount of skill points from your fighting cards if you succeed against a hazard card congratulations it converts it becomes part of your deck if you fail it stays in the hazards for you to encounter at a later date when things are going to be more difficult Make it all the way through the hazard cards and you'll have to fight the pirates with the skill level of their own. Make it all the way through the pirates and Robinson Crusoe will be able to happily leave the island. Or at least Friday will be a lot happier with Robinson Crusoe off the island. <laughs> oh yeah. And good riddance. <laughs> so Albert, let us talk to begin with about the rules. What did you think about the rules for this game? 
the first time I played them, I, I played the game. I remember being a little bit confused by the rules. It was, it was kind of weird, a little bit different. I knew it was a deck building game going in and, and all that, but it is just, it didn't flow really well. Though, I, I haven't played the game in a while. I came back and played it, and pretty much I jumped right in. You know, pretty yeah. much remember most of the rules because it is a simple game. The rules, there's not much to this game. This is definitely really the kind of game that I've played so many times that it's like riding a bike. I did not need to consult <laughs> the rules having played it again. So I suppose that just shows the strength of the idea of a deck builder. It is mm-hmm. a deck builder, and that becomes relatively simple as you're going through the game. Now, the one comment that I want to make about the rules that I'm relatively positive i think we mentioned the last occasion but um there's two ideas that i think the rulebook does quite well the first is it has a very detailed example of one of these fights so as i mentioned you're going to have instances where you encounter hazard and you have a hand of cards that you're able to use towards those and you can potentially use abilities to draw extra cards or even you can on purpose fail so there's all sorts of ideas and options that you have when confronted by how to approach a hazard. He goes through in the rules and gives you, I think it's five, it is five different options for ideas on what you could potentially do to it. This is very much a good way. It's, it's almost the progenitor. We saw a learn-to-play rulebook. It's going through and saying, this is where you're at. <laughs> Here's all the sorts of different ideas you have. Now go apply to real-life effects and do your own thing. Similarly, this is one which has almost an accelerated rule set. The game starts at the easy level. There are four levels total in the game, and the fourth one is claimed to be the real game by the rules themselves. But it slowly introduces additional difficulties. It's not really introducing additional mechanics, but it's making the game more difficult by throwing in a couple extra cards or reducing the amount of total health you get. Um, in order to slowly increase it to what is theoretically the designed at difficulty level. Both of those things, I think, are strengths of the rulebook that we've seen elsewhere, seen them imitated elsewhere, but I think that this is definitely one of the earlier places that had done that sort of idea. You know, I had never actually read the playthrough example for this game. I definitely read the playthrough example when I first learned <laughs> the rules to the game because, again, I think that it was a very good way to sort of prompt the player to understand a bit more of the depth and how to approach the game. I think that's a very useful mm-hmm. thing in a solo game where sometimes you get into your own echo chamber and you don't realize there's another strategy I could explore. Seeing a couple different strategy ideas helps you do that better. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, it kind of lets you uh, play a little better from the get-go, right, mm-hmm. right out of the gate, which is nice. So I think that is all of our commentary on the rules. Let's talk about the theme for a moment. Albert, in terms of the theme, and I think we mentioned this a moment ago, the game is called Friday because theoretically the entire idea is that you are actually Friday trying to help teach Robinson. This always seems very strange to me. And Mm -hmm. if I'm introducing the game to other people, I actually will tend not to mention it this way because why did they do that? I mean, I understand you wanted (laughs) it for a convention or it would call it Friday, but you're not really helping Robinson. You're doing Robinson because if you were helping Robinson, Robinson would be much more uncontrollable. Robinson is not really uncontrollable. You have complete and absolute ability to control him. 
Granted, Robinson himself has limited amounts of decisions. You have a choice of which fighting cards you have, but you get to pick which of the hazards you go, if you want to go deeper into the woods, if you want to gain something, use abilities. <laughs> the whole time, you're really, really minutely controlling him. Clearly, you're from the viewpoint of Robinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it, that is very, very true. I mean, I, I, I forget that I'm Friday most of the time. Though I will tell you that I, I love that every time I remember it because when you look at the art in the game, all the pictures of Robinson, he he doesn't look like the brightest kind of guy. You know, honestly, he needs help. And, sure. and you get the feeling that he's bumbling through all these adventures and, and the fact that Friday is helping him and Friday is the reason he survives at all. Sure. <laughs> just makes it very funny for me and i love. I agree with you i think that makes it that makes it very funny but i recall playtesting a get smart themed game where i don't know if you're familiar with the old tv show get smart but it's a secret agent Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. is not very bright and sort of bumbles along but manages to solve everything either by just falling happenstance into something or other people managing to help him out so you know i i think that that is funny and humorous but I don't think that detracts from him being the main player character. And I think that there was a decision made to overvalue the gimmick of, of the F name and the Friday name. And I think it hurts the story a little bit enough that I would just rewrite that. Really? I, I wouldn't touch it. <laughs> I wouldn't touch it. But honestly, it's a light theme here. I don't know that it matters all that much. I do think that there's one other thing that somewhat hurts the theme for me, and it's mentioned in components. So I'm going to save it until we talk about the components. Okay, uh, let's go to components. Thank you, Albert. I appreciate that. (laughs) So talking about the components, one of the components that the game has is a set of wood meeples, meeple-type things. Food meeples. Food meeples, yes. Food meeples. They're used to denote how much health Robinson has. They are titled life points. And there are 22 of them, and they're like this little... They're a green wheat token from other games. Theoretically, they're supposed to be like the ferns that are common in the area, even though none of the ferns in any of the pictures look like it. And somehow they represent (laughs) life. Why did they do this? I am convinced that the reason why they did this is solely because someone went to a warehouse, said, oh my gosh, we mispainted these these wheat tokens to be green. Well, what game could we possibly <laughs> use these for? Heck, let's put it in Friday. Like, Why aren't they hearts or swords or Robinsons or a track <laughs> or anything that in some way signifies life instead of food? <laughs> Maybe mm-hmm. it's food. It doesn't even really look like food because, again, it's green wheat, and wheat is not normally green. It looks like a weird leaf. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have never figured out what those things are at all, honestly. I wonder if they're it's just a, like the the bits, you know, like the you, you cut out the wood and you get little leftover bits in between them. <laughs> These are just those leftover bits. There are many them. other oh, no, there are many other good. games that use that as wheat. Older games, do they? That okay. use as wheat, yeah, but they're just yellow normally. Makes sense. <laughs> oh, it's oh. green because 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 uh, Friedman Freeze likes green. I'm confident it's just a, I'm confident it's just a mess up. And for me, the weirdness of them being there representing something that they shouldn't represent again detracts from the theme. Mm-hmm. I can get over it. I can ignore it. But it's annoying that it was done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I feel like 
I agree with you 100%, but it also doesn't really matter because there isn't much theme in this game. <laughs> it's in there in the art, and it's fun, and I love it and all that, but there's not much theme in this game. Yeah, but there is a theme, and it should there, stick there is with a theme. the theme. Yeah, well... Okay. It should stick with the theme. The components, <laughs> the components should be tightly designed to enhance the gameplay and thematic value, and they aren't. The theme is that the game needs to be green and start with the letter F. <sighs> We're going to continue <laughs> on with the rest of the components at this point in time. There are, as I mentioned, the cards. Let me talk about the cards for a moment. These cards are decide, are used for the most part. Um, they are thin and tall cards. They're a different card size than I think any other game I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why they are made that way is because the cards flip over over the course of the game. A hazard card will eventually turn into a fighting card, a knowledge card. So half of the card has to be dedicated towards the bad side. And then when you succeed at that hazard, you can turn to the good side. So theoretically, yeah, whoever had it sort of wanted it to be thin and tall to more bring home the idea that you're ignoring half of it i suppose maybe yeah i i, I don't know <laughs> it's it works well i mean this is actually good because the art looks nice on it and all that and it, oh, it yeah, ends I up think, working well for what it is i think the art looks nice on it mm-hmm. but what it means is that it's a giant pain in the butt to be able to sleeve normally for deck builders i sleeve my games especially for games as beloved as this game i sleeve my games because it's a different card size than anything else, it's really hard to sleeve. I had to order some esoteric different sleeve set from Swan Panasia <laughs> brand, and then I had to cut off the tops of it, or they were really long. And and, and even then, like I don't like the sleeve quality so much that of Swan Panasia. It's a stickier type of sleeve. I don't like it. Oh, but I'm stuck with it because the cards were getting beat up from the amount of times they have to be shuffled over the course of a deck building game. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would they do that? <laughs> yeah, I, I did not sleeve mine at all. I've never tried that. I did wonder if I could get sleeves because the shuffling is so annoying in this game. Mm-hmm. You, you shuffle a fair bit, not tons and tons. It's not like Onirim level shuffling, but it's still a lot. All right, it's a deck building game. Yeah, it's a tech building game. Exactly. It's just why I sleeve all my tech building games. Mm-hmm. And this one's just annoying. And they really could this art could have been done in a standard sleeve in a standard card size. It could yeah. have. It just they did it. And oh, it's yeah. annoying. It's annoying. There are many standard cards cards that have two sides, a picture on the top and the bottom. Like, oh I don't know, playing cards. <laughs> there are and it many. Works there are many yeah. even there are many yeah. even that have this idea of you flip it over and it's something different. Mm-hmm. It's not uncommon. Yep. But <laughs> That is that. Um, The next type of cards I want to mention is a green, yellow, and red. Over the course of the game, you're going to be advancing through green, yellow, and red phrases for the hazards. You start on green, and you go through the hazard deck once, and then you flip the card to yellow, and then you flip the card to red. The red hazards have a higher difficulty value, which are indicating their cards. The the red hazard value is in a red circle. The yellow hazard value is yellow circle. The green is in a green circle. This is just, it's essentially like a three-card deck that they use to be able to show if it's green, yellow, or red. It's, you know, not the most fantastic component. There's no bling to that particular (laughs) component. But it is a component, and it is there. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I would have preferred if they had used some sort of token or like a pawn or something on the board. Mm-hmm. That would have worked better for me. Indeed. But- Speaking of boards, the game comes with three boards that are <laughs> just used to hold the decks. Um, yeah. You, you put, you have a age deck, which as you go through your deck, each time you have to add in sort of like a weakness card. And you have a hazard deck, which is the deck that you're going through and you're having to fight. Um, and then you have your current active deck. And the game gives you three storage boards for a place to put each of those. Um, I certainly like having a nice place to store each of those. I imagine that if they didn't, I probably would have printed one to store each <laughs> of those. Or maybe just played them on the table. The game didn't need it. This is a deluxe component that was added in that isn't necessary for the game to have. You could have played it on the table. I think that probably would have been confusing since the backside of the three decks all look the exact same. So I think that it is a very good component to have in. But it Mm -hmm. didn't need it. But it's nice that it's there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's plenty of ways they could have done it if they wanted to. But it works. And like you said, it's nice. Mm-hmm. And because I just want to mention the graphic design, because I normally do, the graphic design of the game is clear, easy to read. Um, with the hazard cards, there's a little bit of flavor text. The, there's just a one line that describes what it is. There's a clear icon that shows how difficult it is. There's clear icons of the fighting cards that show what you do. The tech. This is one of those games that is an English language game. Uh, it doesn't use icons to represent all the different things this one just writes out in english what it is that things do um mm-hmm. i feel like that would not happen nowadays it would all just be, an, <laughs> be a ton of icons this one just writes it all in english which means it's very clear and very easy to use all of these different things so points for good graphic design mm-hmm. yep i agree I like it. And, and those boards that we talked about already, they tell you how to set up the game and they have information on there that's useful. Mm-hmm. Once you've played the game a few times, you don't need it, but when you're first learning it, it's handy. You know, it tells you how to set up the decks when you first start it. It reminds you of how many foods it costs to, to pay for a card and whatnot. Speaking of paying for a card, Albert, why don't we go ahead and start the gameplay and tell us about how essentially the game is played. All right. Um, we've already talked about it a bit. You have the three decks. You have your, but mainly you have your one deck of cards that are are the cards you have your abilities that you're going to be able to play, and they're face down. And you have a deck of challenges. Each round, you're going to draw two challenge cards, look at it, and choose which challenge you want to face, and you will discard the other one. Um, and you will then, and we already talked about the challenge cards. So you're going to just choose it based on what they offer you and. And how likely you are, you think, to get it and whatnot. Some might be hard. You think, well, it's early in the game. I can't get it yet. The uh, Then you're gonna. it's going to tell you how many cards you could draw from your character deck for free. You could draw that many cards until the number, the value of your cards reaches or surpasses the value of the challenge. Um, if you succeed, you take the challenge card and the cards you have played and discard them into your deck. If you fail, you're going to discard that challenge card. Now, before you give up, just after you drew your first one or two or however many cards you got to draw for free, after you finish drawing, if you have not succeeded yet, you could choose to spend one of your food resources and draw another card. 
And you can keep doing that as much as you want until you succeed or give up. At that point, if you have failed, you now have to look you look at the difference between your cards and the challenge card, the number of points. And let's say you needed to get five and you only got two. Well, now you're going to have to spend three food uh, to give up for failing. They just get discarded. The benefit is if you spend food for each food you discard, you could also discard one of your basic starting cards. Um, or we didn't really talk about them too much, but the aging cards, they, if you discard one of those, if you have one, you could you got to pay two. And those are always good to discard because they're bad. They're just bad cards. So that was basically the whole round I described. Pick a challenge, play cards to try and meet it, either succeed and get the card or fail and pay a penalty for failing. It gets more complicated, especially after the first round, because all these cards that you win will have a lot of them have abilities, like Julia said. We didn't really get into the abilities, but they may give you extra life points, or they may let you draw extra cards, or they may let you discard some of your cards and draw new ones to replace them, or destroy a card, probably one of the aging cards that are bad, etc., etc. Right. So, so there's a lot of neat choices there. the The other thing that's going to happen. Right when you reach the end of a uh, of your deck, if it's your your character's deck, you will take your discard and you'll draw the top card from the aging deck and shuffle it into your discard, and form a new deck. So now you got all your cards back plus that one aging card that has some negative powers and the the abilities. They usually have like negative values, or they may be a value zero, but then have special text saying your your highest value card is actually a zero now or lose a life or something so that you'll do that and then you'll keep playing with your your deck Just, you know standard deck building the other thing that can happen is your deck of challenges runs out in that case you shuffle it up place it back on top of your board and go from the green level to the yellow level and you'll play through the deck again which is now much smaller by the way and once you reach the end of that you will again shuffle the cards that are left and go from the red level to the from the yellow level to the red level. And you will again play, and once you reach into that one, if you're still alive, if you haven't run out of life points, you now get to face the pirates. Because we didn't mention the pirates. <laughs> we <laughs> have mentioned is, them, but yes, go on. Did we? Oh, I yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The pirates is the whole point of this game. You gotta fight the pirates that are coming to the island, and you gotta prepare for this. And that is how the game will end. You're going to face the two pirate cards one at a time. And they're going to more or less work like, like any challenge. It's going to tell you how many cards you get to Just draw for bigger. free. Much bigger. Yeah, it tells you how many cards to draw for free and what your challenge goal is. Now, to give you an example, a, a normal challenge at green might be draw one card and you have to get a total of one point. Or draw three cards and you have to get a total of three points. Easy enough. On the yellow level, it might be draw one card and you got to get three points. The the worst ones by like the fifth level, it's like draw four cards and get eleven points. I think if I remember right, mm -hmm. a little harder. But if That's you know you've been building your deck, so you should be able to deal with it. The pirates, for example, might say something like, "What was it? Draw ten cards and get forty points." I think. Twelve, <laughs> I think, like but yes. Twelve. Okay, twelve cards and forty points. So yeah, it's it's a lot tougher. However, you should have a lot of powerful cards in your deck and you could defeat this pirate by the end. And if you do, the congratulations, the pirate ship sunk, I guess. And now you get to fight the second pirate ship. 
Mm-hmm. And you would basically discard all your cards from the first pirate fight. Now fight again. Keep going with your deck. You know, if you reach the end of the deck, reshuffle again. So on and so forth. And if you defeat the second pirate, you win the game. And I want to jump to my comment about the pirates first before I describe the rest of the game. Because I think the pirate fight is probably one of the shiniest aspects for me. Um, if you've played Mage Knight, then I... I strongly compare the final pirate battle hmm. to the final city battles in mage knight because it's a culmination of everything you've done it's an epic battle it's a big fight you have to take all of your abilities lay them all out figure out everything you can do throw in all of your last efforts into it and it's a final fight or die moment to be able to succeed against the game it always feels climatic it always feels grand and epic and I always really like the pirate battles as we're going into them. So I think that those are a big asset to the game. That's interesting because you, you compared it to a mage Knight, which I'd never thought of before. Maybe that explains why I don't like the pirate fight. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like the pirate fight. That, that is my least favorite part of the game because you got this huge stack of cards now. You, you're going to be drawing 10 cards and you're going to from that draw more cards. and You have a huge tableau of cards across your table. What was a nice, small, compact game is now a huge game, you know, with maybe 20 or even more cards sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't enjoy that. I find it That's big funny. and chaotic and messy. I, I like that because <laughs> it feels like a final fight culmination, like yeah. the end of the movie and everyone's there and you have everyone behind you and it's a big, it feels like the big giant mess at the end of the movie. And yeah. I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I have feeling most people do. I, I enjoy the rest of the game, the the small fights and just going through those. I You're such an old and, man, you know, Albert. I guess so. But I don't like about the big fight is just, again, how big it is and how many cards you got to deal with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even though I mentioned that it's a big fight and how many cards to deal with, again, for much of the gameplay, the abilities and everything you have are low scale. Even many of the abilities, like often you're just going to be drawing a bunch of your starting cards, which don't have any abilities printed on them. And even Mm -hmm. the abilities in the cards you've grabbed, it's like gain of food, plus one, double a thing. Only towards the very end, like these pirate fights, will you be able to chain together multiple abilities, like remove this one, to then be able to draw this and take an extra one and then grab knowledge and stack the deck. Yep. Move that, discard this one. Like you'll you'll at that point in time, you'll be able to do a whole bunch. But through the rest of the game, the abilities and everything moves fast. It's clear, it's intuitive, it moves along the game. You don't ever find yourself really getting stuck having the gameplay flow break down, which is a huge strength to the game. Mm-hmm. Yep, it is. It's a fun game. I like this game. I like this game in general. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's you. an excellent game. There's mm-hmm. a reason why this one continues to be hailed as one of the top solo games, even now 10 years after it's come out. It still continues to have strong chops in solo design. And there's a reason for it. It's a very strong game. It creates a narrative through its gameplay. It, it flows. It has an excellent struggle as you're running through the game yourself. It feels like there's a challenge that is something you can beat the challenge that you can do something about and continue to build. And, you move through it and all mm-hmm. those things taken together mm-hmm. make a very enticing gameplay element. Yep. And it has choices and they feel, you know, you're playing 
everything feels like a, an important choice. You know, you draw the two challenge cards and you got to choose the one to fight. You know, one of them may be harder than the other. Which one can I get? The harder one is also better for me. Can I get it? And, and you know, you're always deciding that as you're drawing cards to fight it, there's also a lot of decision making there because there's some push your luck kind of element to it. You know, mm-hmm. you, you drew your free cards and now there's not enough. Are you going to push your luck and spend a, a food to get another card that might get you the thing you need or it might not? And, and again, and their choices, it's not entirely random. And you're paying attention, you know, because it's a deck building game and you're drawing cards, you, you might have a sense of what's still in your deck and whatnot. So, so a lot of thinking going on in there. Mm-hmm. Even, I think, and even the pirates, right? You draw the pirates at the beginning. And I haven't played too many of the pirate battles, honestly. And like I said, I don't enjoy them. But I get the feeling that if you play this game a whole lot, knowing which pirates come up might affect how you build your deck. Yeah, I think that might be true. Like a bigger pirate, you might want more cards that do doubling and stuff like that. And a smaller pirate, you don't need that necessarily. Yeah, because there's some of them that give an advantage to having a lot of cards and some that give an advantage yeah. to having the stronger, smaller cards. So, yeah. So, yeah, I so I do like that about it. I like all the choices you get in there. It's, it's Indeed. a short game, fast turns, and constantly you're getting interesting choices to make. And that's just nice. And it is amazing. It's a 10-year-old game, right, at this point. You're just about. And it is neat to see how how games have evolved from this one and really how much it hasn't changed that much because this game was just so well designed. It shall continue to retain its spot on the pedestal, I do believe. And that's worth mentioning. If you don't know about this game yet already, it is definitely worth getting because it's pretty darn cheap. It's not a huge game. It's not deep and super complex. It may not be for everybody, but it's only $15 or $20 retail price. So it's, it's pretty darn affordable. Um, it's compact. It has a lot of replayability. That definitely worth trying. Other things I really liked about the game, the setup is super easy. Because there's three decks to shuffle. They're super small decks. And and you're ready to go. It would be easier yeah. if they were standard card sizes. <laughs> that would be easier. A lot easier. Um there is shuffling, like I said already, right? This game has a lot of shuffling, but it is not Onirum-level shuffling. There's a lot of people that don't like Onirum because of all the shuffling, so you'll like this better. And I think those two games get compared a lot to each other. They're different, and yet they're both really similar in that they're light, casual games. Um, there's a couple problems I had with it, though. I found it real easy to lose my place while playing. Did you have any trouble with that? Maybe, maybe a first, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm playing and so frustrating. I'm in the yellow level. I'm playing. I go to draw my challenge, two challenge cards, and one of them is, oh look, it's one of my starting cards. I discarded to the wrong pile again, and I just realized it halfway through the second, uh, second round of challenge cards. No, I've never had that happen. Oh, I do that. I do that a lot. Because I get distracted because the game's so easy and you just start getting into zone kind of and I grab the cards and discard them and, you know, there's three, two different discard piles and I just, or three really, and I put them in the wrong one. And at that point, you know, I could either just say, well, I'm going to take my cards back and I, I think this might be the one here, this challenge might be the one that I had won with that, I think, because I probably maybe won or you just give up at that point and start over. And that's frustrating. I think you probably have a faulty board set up putting the, <laughs> the board no, it's, holders too close together or something. I, I have started putting them farther apart because of that. But it did happen to me often enough that it's very frustrating. 
And mm-hmm. another thing that's frustrating, if I go away and, um, or not go away, if my cat comes along and starts trying to get my attention or walk on the table, a lot of times I quickly lose my place. And I find that very annoying. And I forget my strategy. And that's, I know, I know, that's me. That's not the game. But <laughs> if you're like me and you have cats that are annoying, that, that's just something you got to deal with. Well, I have children. Um, I've never really had that problem either. Yeah, well, they don't walk or sit on your games, I bet, when you're playing. That is true. They usually <laughs> want to come over and help. Yes, I, I have had plenty of help. With, not in, not that kind of help in ages, but yes. Um, Do-do-do-do. That's it. I think that that's what I want to say about this game. It is a really neat game. It's it's worth trying. I hadn't played it actually in six years. 2015 was the last time I played it, and I put it out because we're going to talk about it again. And I had a lot of fun. It's like, oh, I can't believe I haven't played this game in so long. Why haven't I played this game in so long? It's great. <laughs> and I think that right there is exactly the reason why we make these back to the table segments. It's just not mm. just to encourage us, but you know, hopefully our listeners too will have the ability to pull out some of these older games and appreciate how nice they were. Yeah, but especially so that I could play them again. <laughs> <laughs> us first. That's right. It's all about us. All right, Julius. Well, having heard this uh, admittance from Albert that he truly is a Friday unto himself, I think that about covers <laughs> it for tonight. Good night, all. All righty. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.